0: As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. really excited to be back for another show today. We had a lot of stuff to cover throughout this week, and it continues today as we talk about the Iowa versus Rutgers game that happened tonight. We're also going to talk a little bit about Kirk Ferentz. There has been some interesting articles, uh, probably inappropriate and unnecessary articles, written by the Gazette this week. But we're going to actually take it a completely different direction. Is Kirk Ferentz a Hall of Fame coach? With his new extension, he has the ability to get there. We're going to be talking about that as well. And then finally, there's an interesting thing posted on The Athletic saying Phil Parker is one of the defensive coordinators being considered at Notre Dame. I'm going to tell you why. That ultimately doesn't really matter. He ain't leaving Iowa. Before we get to any of that, though, uh, today is the 29th anniversary since Chris Street's passing. Um, Obviously an instrumental figure to the state of Iowa, uh, an incredibly untimely death, and a, a guy who will always be remembered in Iowa Hawkeye history. So just gonna take a a quick moment of silence for for Chris Street. All right y'all, let's get into the show today. Uh, Before we actually jump into the content, I wanna quickly say thank you for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes pretty easy. We're here Monday through Friday. So let's get into it. Uh, Starting with the Phil Parker news. So The Athletic came out with an article uh, talking about Marcus Freeman's choice for defensive coordinator. And it said he had a short list, seven guys on that list, one of them being Phil Parker. I'm going to quickly go through the list of the defensive coordinators and then tell you why Phil Parker is not going to be the next defensive coordinator of Notre Dame. So the, the seven guys Doug Belk, the Houston defensive coordinator, Tony Gibson, the NC State defensive coordinator, Al Golden, Cincy Bengals, linebackers coach, uh, Tim Labuka, uh the Boston College defensive coordinator, Eric Mason, the Auburn defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi, the Minnesota defensive coordinator, and finally, Phil Parker. Now, when you see the headline and you see Phil Parker's name on the article, it's easy to get a little bit concerned, right? Like, what is going on here? Why is Phil Parker being considered? But when you look at how the article is written, it was not a, here's Marcus Freeman's short list of candidates that we for sure know about. It was, here's the seven guys Marcus Freeman should really be targeting for his defensive coordinator spot. So it was more of an opinion piece than it was a factual piece. And even if there was facts to it as far as Marcus Freeman wanting to get Phil Parker, it's not happening. Bill Parker has been with Kirk Ferentz since 1999. He came over as a defensive backs coach. He eventually worked his way up to defensive coordinator. And he has become one of the best, if not the best, defensive coordinators in the entire landscape of college football. Yes, you can look at what Brett Venables has done at Clemson and be impressed. But Kirk or Phil Parker does what he does with two and three star guys and creates a defense that can stop the big boys. He creates a defense that does not allow big plays, and he creates a defense that gets pressure on the quarterback consistently and sends guys to the NFL with regularity. So many defensive backs have won Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year under Phil Parker. So many defensive backs are currently playing in the NFL today who have played under Phil Parker. He is a phenomenal coach. There is no doubt about it. Phil Parker is a truly tremendous coach, and Notre Dame would be lucky to have Phil Parker. But do you think in the last 10 years that not a single team has wanted to grab Phil Parker and take him away? If you don't think that, you're lying to yourself. Any team would be stupid to not even just sniff around and see maybe... We can grab Phil Parker. Here's the thing. Again, he's been here for 20 years, over 20 years. The guy is closer to retirement than he is to the end or the beginning of his, his coaching time. He's he's 58 right now. There's probably, what, 10, 11 years left for him, 10, 11, 12 years left. Kirk Behrens has seemingly eight to nine years left. I think Phil Parker is in Iowa City to stay, but if that has not convinced you, the fact that he has never left in the last 20 years, let me also tell you this. Phil Parker is a very highly paid assistant coach. Over $1 million. Now, I did some quick Google searching. Apparently, in 2020, Marcus Freeman made $600,000. There's a chance they have bumped up those salaries for the defensive coordinator roles, but it would actually be... A decrease in salary, as far as I can tell. Now, if you see anything else that's different, let me know. But as far as I can tell, it would actually be a decrease in salary for Phil Parker to go to Notre Dame. On top of that, he doesn't have a tie to Notre Dame. He's from Ohio. He played at Michigan State. He does not have a tie at Notre Dame. And then finally, why in the heck would you want to leave? a secondary that has all Big Ten defensive back Riley Moss, an all Big Ten type of player in Kayvon Merriweather, a guy, two guys, Jamari Harris and Terry Roberts with starting experience, and a five-star safety that you just worked your butt off for the last three years to land, who's coming into Iowa expecting to get some playing time right away and a four-star in Cooper DeGene. There is too much talent in this defensive backroom. You also have an All-American linebacker in Jack Campbell. You have a four-star recruit, uh, Justin Jacobs, who is trying to get on the field as much as he can. You have an almost entirely returning defensive line for the first time in four years. Why would you want to leave this? Your defense is set. You're ready to roll. Do not leave at this time. That would be an incredibly inopportune time for a defensive coordinator to leave given the situation and he has no ties to Notre Dame so I know what you might be seeing on message boards I know what might have come out in the athletic article. at this point I consider those nothing but opinions thoughts hopes wishes but not actual truths in terms of where could Phil Parker end up he's not going anywhere he's going to be at Iowa coming up we're going to get into the Iowa Rutgers basketball game I uh, want to make sure we, we cover that big-time game coming up tonight for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Before we get to any of that, though, with the New Year, it means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit, eating healthier, make sure you include a Built Bar in your protein or in your plan so you can get some more protein with a very delicious kick to it. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. And it makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so freaking good, you're going to want to eat it unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. And Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. So if you're worried about having those sweet cravings, Built Bar covers it and they're healthy for you. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and only 7, or 17 grams of protein, which is way better than your standard candy bar. So with the new year and new year's resolutions, grab yourself Built Bars to keep yourself on track as you try to be healthy going into the year, 2020. And you can do that by going to built.com. That's B-U-I-L-T.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 or 15% off at built.com. Again, thank you all for making the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked on Hawkeyes. So we talked a little bit about Bill Parker. That was some interesting news coming out of yesterday's uh, news circuit. Now we're going to talk about Iowa versus Rutgers because it is a, again, a must win game for the Hawks. I know I keep saying this, but this first six game stretch was so instrumental, to the ability for the Iowa Hawkeyes to get to the NCAA tournament. I can't keep overstating it. I can't. It's just impossible because it is this important for the Iowa Hawkeyes to get there. They have to win at least five of these six games. If they lose one of these games, it's a bad loss on the resume, it's a loss overall, and the schedule isn't getting any easier. In these first six games since the new year, the only team that is better than them on paper was Wisconsin. They needed to go 5-1 and one in these games. To this point, they've pretty much done that, right? They've done a pretty darn good job. They beat Maryland, they lose to Wisconsin. They beat Indiana. They beat Minnesota. They now need to take care of Rutgers and Penn State. That will get them off to a five-and-one start before they go to or they get Purdue at home. Purdue at home is a very interesting situation. It would be a great to get a win against Purdue. And in the Big Ten, anything can happen. But, nevertheless, not exactly a, a half to win the game for Iowa to make the NCAA tournament. After Purdue, they get Penn State, Ohio State on the road, Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska. So, another stretch where they need to go four and one. Basically the biggest thing for Iowa this year, they need to win the games they're supposed to and steal a game or two against some of those really good teams like a Purdue, like an Ohio State, like a Michigan or in Illinois. So getting into this game versus Rutgers, you might be looking at Ken Palm and saying, well, Rutgers is 93rd in the nation. They're not a good team. Rutgers has a terrible net ranking, 116th. They're not a very good team. You would be wrong. Rutgers is currently 9-6, 4-2 in the conference, but their losses have mostly been without Geo Baker. And the biggest reason why they are so down in the rankings is because they lost to 310th ranked Lafayette without Geo Baker. They also lost to Massachusetts without Geo Baker, and they lost to Illinois without Geo Baker. Geo Baker is the best player on this team. It would be like Iowa playing without a Keegan Murray. Now, granted, Keegan Murray is better than Geo Baker, but nevertheless, you can understand the importance by that kind of analogy there. Rutgers is always a tough team, though, and I think when you look at their schedule, they've been really tough at home. They've beaten both Purdue and Michigan at home. The only loss they've had is against Lafayette, and that was without Geo Baker early on in the season. And they have a win versus Purdue without Geo Baker. So this is a team that has been up and down. And when we played Rutgers in the past, they have been very strong defensively. They get into your passing lanes. They make you do some things you don't want to do. They slow things down for you defensively. Currently they're ranked 56 in the nation in defensive ranking. Again, this is a team that has been pretty strong though, um, making teams pay and making teams have to work to get baskets. Now when I looked at those wins, Not only was it the fact that Geo Baker was there versus Geo Baker not, but one of the things really stood out to me was three-point shooting. Against Michigan, Rutgers shot 47% from three. Michigan shot 20%. Against Maryland, Rutgers shot 45% from three. Maryland shot 24%. In Purdue, they shot 50% from three, and Purdue struggled. Now, Purdue, some of these things are really interesting, too. So, in Purdue, they got dominated in literally everything else in the game. Purdue had 16 offensive rebounds compared to Rutgers five. Rutgers had five more turnovers, yet they shot 50% from three. In the loss against Massachusetts, Michigan only shot 23, or uh, Rutgers only shot 23% from three. And in that Penn State loss, Rutgers only shot 26% from three. Now, diving further into that, what's the more interesting is Ron Harper, who has been a thorn in all of our Iowa Hawkeye basketball fans' sides, has been the catalyst for this. And that Maryland win, Ron Harper, 6 of 8 from 3. And that Purdue win, 5 of 7 from 3. And the loss to Massachusetts, 1 of 3, or 1 of 5 at, for, uh, at, again, Well, I cannot speak, 1 of 5 from 3. So when Rutgers can hit the three ball, they can be dangerous. When they are not hitting the three ball, they are not a team to be really overly concerned about, they lost Miles Johnson last year. Um, after last season, went to UCLA. Clifford Omer, oh, I can't say his name. Clifford O, a six 6'11", 240 and forty pound center, has taken over from Miles Johnson, and he's been really up and down. Has not been a consistent force down low. His rebounding numbers are kind of interesting. Really up and down from two to ten at any point. He has some. He's had about twelve. I think twelve blocks in the last four games. But before that, no blocks in a couple of games. So Clifford no, has been down low, but they haven't really been able to get the ball to him, and he hasn't been able to score effectively. Another guy to watch out for, Gio Baker. In the last three games, 2 of 18 from 3. The previous three games before that, 9 of 16 from 3. He was coming off injury. And nobody on the team is shooting better than 32% from 3 outside of Ron Harper, who is shooting 47%. So when I look at this game, here's the keys to this game for Iowa. Stop Ron Harper. Do not let him get hot. We have seen Ron Harper have good games against the Iowa Hawkeyes. You cannot let Ron Harper beat you from three. You cannot allow him to have 18 to 20 points coming all off of three balls. You need to force turnovers and do not lay off the pressure. Rutgers is 314th in the nation in turning the ball over. Force turnovers, actually, I might actually have that, that stat wrong. I think they might be 314th in the nation offensively, or defensively. But either way, Iowa needs to force turnovers and not lay out the pressure. We saw them lay out the pressure against Minnesota. Now, granted, part of that was because Connor McCaffrey was out there unable to work and operate against the zone. But I expect to see Rutgers do that against Iowa. Iowa struggled against the zone. Rutgers could come out with a zone look as well. But Iowa needs to force turnovers as they have throughout the season and not lay off the pressure. And I would like to see Iowa go more man here. Now, you look at a 6'11 Clifford O and think, how does Iowa match up with that? Clifford O is not a very good big man in the Big Ten at this point. I think Philip Bobracha has shown a lot over the last couple games. Philip Bobracha can step into that role, handle him well enough, and use his quickness to get buckets and to frustrate Clifford O. Furthermore, things collapse on him, have a guy collapse on him as well, knock the ball out of his hands, etc., I also think, from a man perspective, you want a Keegan Murray matched up on a Ron Harper. It fundamentally makes sense. Keegan Murray, one of our best defensive players, have him match up on Ron Harper throughout the game. And then you put a, an Aaron Eustis, a Joe Toussaint, those guys, Tony Perkins, on a Geo Baker. You stop those two guys. You have a very good chance of winning at the rack or the Iowa Hawkeyes. Again, a big game tonight. Currently, Kempom projects as a four-point win for Kempom or for Iowa. The odds came out, had Iowa favored at two and a half points. I'd probably take Iowa at two and a half, in my personal opinion. I think Iowa can get a win here. They realize the importance of this. This is going to be a big game. Plus, you always got to factor in that Jordan Mohannon factor. Jordan Mohannon knows Geo Baker, he's played against Rutgers quite a bit. He's going to want to put on a show today for his Hawkeye fans out there. So be on the lookout for that as well. Um, Iowa taking on Rutgers at the rack. We'll have a breakdown tomorrow of that game. So be on the lookout for that and some more talk about Tyler Linderbaum and also giving you a preview of Iowa versus Penn State as we're not dropping an episode on Friday because I have a lot of family coming into town. Coming up, we're going to talk about Kirk Ferris. Should he be a Hall of Fame coach? Before we get to that, though, this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control over financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. And currently, over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. So for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com. That's right. Head over to NetSuite.com slash locked for the special one of a kind financing offer on the number one cloud financial system for growing businesses. That's NetSuite.com slash locked. L-O-C-K-E-D. All right, y'all. We talked about Bill Parker. We also talked about Iowa restructurers. We're going to wrap up with a little talk about Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz and whether or not he should be a Hall of Fame coach. Now, before we get to that, we do have to give you a quick update on the Gazette and they are continuing to double down on their crappy reporting, which is unfortunate. We are seeing journalists across the country rag on them. We are seeing Iowa media members that are not the Gazette explain to people that that is not how they would operate. Um, It is just a really bad look for the Gazette and Vanessa Miller continues to double down. I don't understand as a journalist how you cannot separate your biases like that and remove yourself from the situation i think the gazette would have been better off saying you know what we screwed up but they haven't and here we are nevertheless kirk ferentz signs an extension to put him in iowa city for a few more years and i think he has a very good chance of going to the hall of fame but let me kind of break down why here's the first the criteria for it. a coach becomes eligible three full seasons after retirement or immediately following retirement provided he is at least 70 years old active coaches become eligible at 75 years of age he must have been a head football coach for a minimum of 10 years and coached 100 games with a 600 winning percentage all right a lot to unpack there um, currently as it stands kirk Ferrens is not eligible for the hall of fame and the biggest reason why is because of his record at maine he was 12 and 21 When he was at Maine, at Iowa, he was a lot better, all right? Significantly better at Iowa, 178 and 110 at Iowa. At Maine, he had a winning percentage of 59%. At Iowa, a 62% winning percentage. Right now, Kirk is 66. He is going to be coaching through his 70-year-old season as long as he stays through his extension. He has an opportunity to be admitted to the Hall of Fame as an active head coach. Well, there's a couple things that kind of go into that. To do that, he would need to put together arguably his best four or five-year run he has ever had as a head coach, Iowa. He would need to go 10-3 and three for the next two seasons to be above 600. That's not impossible, especially given the talent on this team. So 10-3 the next two seasons would get him above 600. Now, why does Kirk Ferentz deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? He's a model of consistency. He has kept Iowa relevant since 2001. He is the longest-tenured head coach right now in college football, unless I'm forgetting anyone, which I don't think I am. In a in an era of of coaches jumping around, coaches being fired too quickly, coaches doing and winning twelve games one season and only winning six games the next season, Kirk Ferris has been a model of consistency and he has created a culture and a program that is respected across the country. Teams don't want to play the Iowa Hawkeyes. They might see a slower, not as talented team on tape, but no one wants to play Iowa because they play tough. And you look at some of the other guys who have been in the Hall of Fame, Kirk Ferrin certainly matches up well. Barry Alvarez, former Iowa guy as well, puts together a nice consistent program at Wisconsin, has a 600 winning percentage in 16 seasons. Bill Snyder, a 647 winning percentage in 27 years. Hayden Frye, a 560 win percentage in 37 years. So these guys are all examples of guys who have gotten into Hall of Fame with similar criteria. Bill Snyder had a great career at Kansas State. Wasn't the best towards the end, but a great career at Kansas State. Kirk Ferentz is kind of coming into his golden years. He's already had a very good career, 62% winning percentage at Iowa, or 620 winning percentage at Iowa, however you want to frame that statistic. And he has one of his better teams coming back this next season. They can figure out a few things offensively. This team could be a 10, 11, 12 win team. Now, as I mentioned, you go 10 and 3 this season, you go 10 and 3 next season. And it's worth noting that there's a lot of talented guys behind these starters at this point. The offensive line in two years will almost entirely still be there, especially if they're playing a David Davikoff at that right tackle position and Connor Colby at the guard position. You're going to have Mason Richmond, Connor Colby, and David Davikoff as seniors at that point or i guess connor would be a junior david David, davicon would also be a redshirt sophomore i think at that point so you have a lot of talent on this team arlen bruce keegan johnson will still be there gavin williams still be there so a lot of talent on the team in two years and even this upcoming season iowa has the opportunity to go 10 and 3 get kirk above that 600 winning percentage and in just four years kirk is actively eligible for the hall of fame I think they'd be wrong to not put Kirk Ferris in the Hall of Fame as the head coach of Iowa. What he has done at the University of Iowa has been nothing short of impressive. Without as much of a, a recruiting landscape, he has kept Iowa relevant year in and year out. He has some big wins to his name. He brought this program back from his nothing after Hayden Fry, uh, you know, after it was kind of left relatively in shambles towards the end of Hayden Fry's tenure. Kirk Ferentz is going to go out on top here, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Let me know what your thoughts are on Kirk Ferentz and his Hall of Fame resume. would love to hear that from you all. Uh, before we wrap up the show, I want to remind you that the Locked On Bets podcast has you covered for all of your betting needs. They give you three to four games every single day that you can bet on at BetOnline.ag. So check them out. Hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They do a phenomenal job there. So check them out at Locked On Bets. And that will do it for our show today. Have a fantastic Wednesday, Hawkeye Nation. As a reminder, we do not have a show Friday, but we do have a show tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. As always, Hawkeye Nation, have a fantastic Wednesday, and let's go Hawks.